0: Well, today we're going to begin a new series. It's a seven-weeker of all things. And uh, we got the idea from this uh, for for this series, our staff, uh, our team from a book by Tom Rainer about uh, I am a Christian, and we feel like it's just really important to go into some of the real basics of our faith and what it really means, because it's just easy to say and identify I'm a Christian, but what does that really mean? We're gonna unpack that, so we're gonna have different team members help us out throughout this series. I'll be doing the bulk of it, but we're gonna share it together, and I just so appreciate them, and uh, we're gonna dive in. So, I wanna ask you some questions. You don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. If you're, if you're online today, you can answer out loud, okay, in, in your more secluded setting. But uh, do you know who you are? Have you really thought about that? What, in other words, what, what defines you? What defines you? Uh, do you know? Have you thought about it? I guess what I'm trying to say is, what are you living for, really? Now, we would say one thing, but I don't want to know just what you say. I want to know how you're living. What are you living for today? Present tense. To drill down just a little more, I'd ask you, I think the, to define that, we have to know this. What is your identity? I've talked about this a lot. I, I mentioned a lot of phrases. I've started writing down everything that I, that I know of, that I've mentioned over and over again that becomes language of this house, and you know that identity is everything. Now, you have so many roles in life, but don't, don't, don't confuse roles with your bottom line identity because your identity is the lens through which you look through and live through. It's not just what you say, but what you really believe, what's really rooted in your heart. So, getting clarity on that, if you've said Y2J and around here we call that yes to Jesus, that means you have received what he's done for you as a gift and you've chosen to believe in him. You have entered into an unbelievable, life-changing love relationship with Jesus, the creator God of all that is or ever will be. Think about that. If you're in relationship, you're with the one who made the universe, wow, wow. That means if you're in relationship with God through Christ, you have a new identity. A new identity. It's not a role. It's a new identity. You can now stand and say with joy, I am a child of God. Thus the name of this series. Is that powerful? I'm a child of God, that's way more than being created in his image, that's by faith, you choosing a relationship with him. I am now a child of God. That means you look through, you live through that lens and that impacts everything you are and everything you do. Is it? I'm afraid we have a lot more professors than we have possessors. It's not just words and that's what we're gonna focus on today. What this means, I am a child of God, it means you have admitted that you're a sinner and have confessed your sins. You've genuinely repented of all your sins, turned and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You believe in in his death on the cross on behalf of your sins. He took the punishment you deserved. You have chosen to center your life on Jesus. He is your Savior, and he is the Lord of your life. We don't stop with Savior, but Lord that means palms up living, palms up living. It looks like this, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, from the New King James Version. Therefore, in other words, now, if anyone is in Christ, I love that, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, some things become new. Is that what the Bible says? You better check me out. Doesn't say that, it says all things. Do you know what that means? It means everything. All things are new. You're looking and living through a different lens. I am a child of God, a new powerful identity. Through Christ, in Christ, you can say, I am a child of God. Your life purpose is now to follow Jesus all the way to heaven and to take as many people with you as you can. Right? Can you think of a better purpose for living than that? We're talking about eternity. So, I subtitled my message, I'm a child of God. One, it's believer. I wanna say that believers are followers of Jesus. So could I ask you a really serious question today? If you profess, I am a child of God, are you following Jesus every day? Does that mean we won't get sidetracked? Does that mean we won't stumble at fall times? I'm not saying, that's a, that's a possibility. But are you following him? And when you're following him, when you mess up, you get up and you keep going, and you deal with whatever it was that caused you to fall. Believers are followers of Jesus. Are you following him? Hey, hey, beware. There are so many labels and beliefs floating out there, more than ever, but Bible-believing and life-giving churches are in primary agreement on the basic principles of God's word, the things that matter most, regardless of their brand. Did you know that? If they embrace the Bible as truth. So let's talk about that. Some pillars, and then I wanna get into just a few practical things toward the end. And Andrew, just a heads up, get a mic, because at the right time, it's gonna fit in. I'm just gonna have you get a little plug for Alpha, right in the middle of this, okay? So have a mic ready, if you will. Now, I grew up in Sunday school, kids' church. Did anybody else remember going to Sunday school when you were a little kid? And they always put us down the basement that smelled musty and dirty. Anybody remember those days? Those days are gone. Hey, it's kind of nasty down there. Let's put the kids down there. It won't matter. In that environment, yes, it's true. I can still smell it. Just close your eyes, and you can go back there in a moment. Oh, I smell Sunday school, 101. I learned a song like this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, huh? I stand alone on the word of God, the? You got it, it's a hit, let's bring it back again. I stand alone on the word of God. In other words, no matter what anybody may say or do, I'm standing firmly on the truth of God's word. The truth and the authority of the Bible is foundational to our beliefs. There must be no compromise here. The Bible teaches all things true from before creation to the nature and character of God to the arrival and return of Jesus and beyond. John 1, 14 makes it clear. And the Word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us. That would be Jesus, the living Word of God. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. And what was he full of? Grace and Truth. You may not believe this, but fairly recently, in recent years, I met with a mainline pastor for lunch some time ago, and we were in great conversation, and all of a sudden he asked me, I think we are talking about something biblical, and he said, you don't really take the Bible literally and believe it's all true, do you? And I said, what? Yes, I absolutely do. I believe it. I embrace it. Pulling from our articles of faith, we have 16 in the Nazarene Church, Fancy words some, but we believe in the plenary inspiration and that means complete in every respect absolute of the Holy Scriptures by which we understand the 66 books of the Old and New Testament were given by divine inspiration, inerrantly revealing the will of God, conserving us in all things necessary to our salvation so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. I love 2 Timothy 3.16 and talking about the word. You know, we don't have. Here's where we get mixed up. People think that the Bible isn't is is in error at times, but the problem isn't with God's Word. We're the ones that are in, in error. We are not inerrant in our interpretation many times. How do you know that's true? But the Bible is without error. Listen to 2 Timothy three sixteen. Everybody doing all right out there? How about in the grandstand? Give me a wave if you're okay. All Scripture. There's that that pesky little word again, all scripture is inspired by God, wow, I wanna know what's inspired by God, do you? I want that in me, that inspiration in me. It is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Do you understand why the word of God is so important? The inspired word of God, I pulled out the words, instructs and directs and inspects and corrects and protects at all times and in all circumstances. The Bible's God breathed and is completely accurate and true and we'll never budge on that at Western ads, I can tell you that for sure. All scripture is inspired by God. Now, it's so popular these days, particularly to cut and paste scripture. When we dislike something or we doubt it, we cut out a portion. But when you do that, you're compromising the whole because the Bible contains no error. I'm saying again, God's Word doesn't have a problem. Many times we do. Be extremely wary and careful about embracing worn out arguments regarding the truth of God's Word. Begin to study what you don't understand yourself. And in the end though, regardless of how much you know, you must choose to stand in faith, believing the Bible to be true. And you know, I have people all the time, I, I can't figure out, I don't understand God, I don't understand all the scripture. I don't either, I'll tell you, but I don't want a God that I can understand and figure out, how about you? He's so much bigger, I get glimpses and I have understanding, but he's so much bigger than I can fit, infinite God, finite mind. How many of you know there's lots of God left over? Agreed? Agreed? So powerful, be careful. I love Hebrews four twelve that says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. I mean, that's delicate surgery right there. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That might be why people wanna cut and paste and have doubt and dislikes, because they don't want it exposing their inner desires and thoughts, huh? But God knows he needs to drill down. He needs to get hold of our thoughts and our attitudes, right? That's a pathway to our heart. Yes, the Bible is God-given and it's inspired. It it accomplishes God's purpose of drawing people to salvation and teaches them how to live, how to follow Jesus. It shapes beliefs. Please don't neglect it. And I would just say to you, and you you can see it posted on the wall in our foyer. We talk about it often. This is one of the unshakable foundations of our Worcester Naz value. Truth, it starts with the Word of God. The Word of God, and, and I think there'll be other messages that deal more specifically with some things I'm gonna to hit today. But we believe in one God, three persons. You talk about a mystery that's hard to get your mind around, try defining the Trinity to a four-year-old, or a five-year-old, or an adult for that matter. But it's the message, that paraphrase that I read in the in the dedication this morning from Exodus 3.20. Here, here's the deal: it says, No other gods, only me. Only me. Not up for debate. I remember in ministry preparation that I stuttered and studied the an entire course in a semester on the attributes of God. I mean, and you know what I got out of that, that uh, intensive study? Besides cramps from writing all the papers I had to write. I decided that he's all everything. How's that? He's all everything. I mean all ruler, all powerful, all present, all forgiving, all knowing, all forgetful because he forgets like he chooses to forget our sin. Wow, that's the God we serve. Our article number one in, 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 in our Nazarene uh, article says, we believe in one eternally existent, infinite God sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe, that he only is God, holy in nature, attributes, and purpose. The God who is holy, love, and light, is triune, an essential being, revealed as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in three persons, we sing, blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We could talk on and on about that, but One God revealed in three persons. Jesus came to this earth. We'll be celebrating during the blessing season. Before you know, he came to show us what God was like. And in good news, when he ascended to heaven, he said, it's good for you that I go away because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's not gonna just be with you. He's gonna be in you. Sovereign God over us, Jesus with us, the Holy Spirit in us, and he's gonna teach us all things. Wow, he's the one that draws us, that corrects us, that directs us. And then we wanna have a good understanding before we get to the practical measures here, the principles of the humanity and fall and restoration. And let me just be clear about this. We believe that every person is created in the image of God Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's rebellion against God's command. Sin created a distance, a gap between God and man. Since then, every person is born in sin and needs forgiveness, every person. God offers redemption and restoration to all who confess, repent, and turn from their sins and ask God for mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ's final and complete work on the cross, yes? We believe that the resurrection is so essential in this. The resurrection is the basic pillar of Christianity. Paul makes it quite clear. Without the resurrection, your faith is useless. Let me read it. 1 Corinthians 15, 16. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sins. But aren't you glad he was raised, he lives, and we are no longer dead in our trespasses and sin. Our second article reads this way. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he truly arose from the dead and took again his body together with all things pertaining to the perfection of man's nature wherewith he ascended into heaven and is there engaged in intercession for us, the right hand of the Father. The angel of God spoke to the wondering and worrying disciples and followers at the tomb. You remember? He is not here. He is what? Risen. Risen. The resurrection is indispensable and it is pivotal. Since Jesus is alive, believers and followers are assured that they will live forever with him. And all of the work on the cross and the empty tomb, that makes salvation possible through Jesus. Listen carefully. We want to say clearly, you, I, we are not saved by our works. The Bible does not teach us salvation based on works. If you're depending on your good works to get you safely home, you are in deep trouble. And if you're not, you will be here it is in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that's you, that's me, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever follows him, should not perish but have everlasting life. What a promise, huh? The verse clearly contains the very essence of the gospel. God created you in his image, and he dearly, dearly loves you. His creation messed up, but he made a way through his work to be saved, not your own works, through his work. He finished it. He wants you to have everlasting life. God's motivation was complete and unconditional love. And no matter where you may be today in your journey, you may be far, far from him. You may never known him. You may never met him. I want to tell you, he unconditionally loves you and he is pursuing you with that stubborn love. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, where you may be right now. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 speaks to it. God saved you by his grace. When you believed... I mean, that's deeply rooted, inside out. And you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's all him. That's why we were created to and praise, because it's not about us, it's about him. Jesus said, Father, bring glory to your name. That's what we're created to do. That's what we're here to do, to bring glory to his name. God's gift of eternal life is free, but it must be received. You're not gonna make it to heaven because you had godly parents or grandparents unless they introduced you to Jesus and you welcomed him into your heart and life. When you declare by faith, I am a child of God, you're choosing to believe in someone and you possess the free gift of salvation. How in the world can you do less than follow him if you've received this marvelous free gift of eternal life, huh? How can you profess it but not possess it? Well, let's get practical here in the closing minutes that we have together. Some practical principles of being a child of God, implications that we can plug our life into. Following Jesus, believing in Jesus means following him. It means reflecting him in all circumstances and in all situations. 1 Corinthians 16 speaks to it, verse 13. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. In this culture, don't waver and don't cave. Be a guardian of God's truth. Beware of the big drift into error. Know what you believe and stand firm in it. To do this, you need to connect and read and pray and share. We'll talk about these things briefly. Now, don't get me wrong. The things that I just mentioned won't save you, but they will keep you. Did you hear me? They won't save you, but they'll keep you. Keep you close. James 2.14 and then 2.17 speaks to this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? In other words, if we said yes to Jesus, our life, our actions, our works are gonna show it, right? But the good things follow that decision. How about verse 17? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. What? That's what the Bible says. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So the good deeds that point to him follow a confession of faith, amen? That's everyday stuff. That's the stuff that does relationships. That's the stuff that touches people because they see Jesus in our lives, in our home, at work, in the neighborhood, even at Walmart, wherever we may be. So let me run through these words, connect, The entire New Testament is written in the context of community of believers. Would you agree with that? God wants you to live out your faith in community because he knows that we're better together. We are better together. We are better together. Yes, we are. Acts 2, for example, 42. All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They did these things together in community. How about 46 and 7 of the same chapter? They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think that's applicable and relevant to us today, don't you? The Christian life was never intended to be lived out in isolation and solitude. No, no, no. That's why it's called, we call it around here, the gathering of Jesus. It brings encouragement and hope. It helps you stand firm in the faith as we read earlier. Hebrews 10.25, have you heard this one? And let us not now neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I mean, it's still important that we gather even after a virus season. Huh? We'll never get over the need to be together. You are needed, you have needs. Being together can touch that. Our local gathering of Jesus is called Worcester Naz, Worcester Nazarene, and part of our vision frame is that we gather, link, and thrive because we believe that relationships matter and make all the difference in the world. I'd much rather hug you in person than give you an air hug any day. Although I'll give some of those to our online people. I'm glad to. Well, the second thing, and there's going to be more about this later, but I want to touch it. I I talked about the word of God, but God has spoken and speaks through his word, the Bible. It's imperative that you get God's word in you. I, I, I differentiate all the time. I said, just don't get in it. Get it in you. That's the key to standing firm, walking in truth. And I highlighted again that verse in 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it does all those things that we mentioned. It teaches, it corrects, it inspects, on and on it goes. Good works naturally flow out of your relationship with Jesus. God's word prepares you to do the work that he has planned for you. It's the sweet spot of significance, I'll call it. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. That's what followers do. They do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are you doing the good things God has planned for you? That's the only path to significance. That's the only path to to, to doing things now that, that link with eternity. Being about, as Jesus said, I must be about the Father's business. Thirdly, practically, we must pray. Prayer is one of the building block values in our vision frame at Worcester and It's summarized by what we say around it all the time. When's the right time to pray? Now. Pray now, pray now, pray now. First Thessalonians 5. Always be joyful. Never, never stop praying. Would you just repeat that? Never stop praying. Is that clear? Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Never stop praying. And while you're praying, be joyful no matter what because that's God's will. Anyone could pray, can pray, everyone should pray, but not nearly every believer or follower takes advantage of this opportunity, privilege, and responsibility. And so Colossians 4, 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. There it is, again, that thankfulness. We talked about gratitude recently. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Wow, what a privilege. Don't stop praying. Don't just stop with saying you believe in the power of prayer. Practice it. Pray now. Pray always about anything and everything. Point and praise. Pray breath prayers. Play short burst prayers. Never stop. Intercede. Whatever your calling a gift is, but pray and keep on praying. I love James 5:16 to be part of the verse. When a believing person prays, a believing, following person prays, great things happen. Hey! The more you pray, the more great things will happen. Agreed? And then fourthly, we want to share. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Didn't you love our baptismal celebration last week? And we're going to do it again. Hopefully, we'll do another one, maybe before Christmas. I've already had requests for it. Therefore, go and make disciples. It's not enough, and it doesn't stop when you believe. It's the starting point, it's the show and tell time. We look for and find ways to share what we believe. You share what you believe, you're convicted to do that. Acts 4.20 says, the disciples, this is so poignant, it says, we cannot, no matter what you say and the threats you may make, no matter what our culture does, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. In other words, they're saying, you can't talk us out of our Jesus experience. We're following him, he's real. We saw him before he was dead, we saw him when he was dead, and we saw him when he got undead and was resurrected. Sharing your faith is relationally driven. Oh, I started saying this in the first church in Springdale, Ohio, Cincinnati area, Ohio, when I was, a, when I was a, just a young pup, didn't know what I was doing, but I knew enough to say this. Every person is just one friend away from Jesus. Do you believe that? Oh, if we could embrace that. One of the measures of our Western Naz vision frame, that's about going, going with the good news, the life-changing, the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter three fifteen b if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Is that good? Dixie and I went to the fair one night to walk around We wanted to see and be seen. You know, that's what you do, walk around. I wanted people to see that I no longer limp. That's what I wanted to see. Uh, And so we were going pie and I made the mistake of having eye contact with somebody that was in one of the booths. And you know what that means, hey, 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 hey. It's kinda like being in Tijuana. Ever been to Tijuana? They're hanging things on your arm and you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, you know? Anybody ever been there? So I made the mistake and this guy walks out and hands me a card and he starts, he starts witnessing to me and I said, I shouldn't have said it if I would said something like, oh, oh yeah. I said, I know Jesus. And I said, I happen to be a pastor. He said, well, that doesn't mean anything. He, that doesn't mean you're saved. <laughs> I wish I would have had my notes. Do this with gentleness in a respectful way. And no matter what, The only way I changed the subject said, I'm good with God, but I'm not sure about my wife. Could you talk to her? And I just walked on. (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) Sorry, Dixie, wherever you may be, you can testify. Hey, when you're a child of God, Andrew, come ahead if you would. When you're a child of God, you grow stronger by sharing your faith with others. It deepens your conviction of truth. And we're launching something new called Alpha. It's not new, it's been in Europe for years. Masses are coming to Jesus through this and it's in the United States as well. So just, just give a quick summary of what Alpha's all about. I feel like this has been a missing link for our, in our church for a long time. Yeah.
1: Uh, Alpha, as maybe you've seen around, we're calling it Faith Basics Conversation Groups. And, and the way that it functions is we're gonna be meeting on Tuesday evenings and each night of Alpha, there's dinner. People love food. So there's dinner, there's a video, and then it's just open conversation. And the goal of Alpha is really for anybody who maybe you've been following Jesus for 40 years or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, just to get around the table and have open conversation, Mm -hmm. answering some of life's questions about like, what is my purpose or why do bad things happen to good people? Alpha is a great place to Experience God's truth in a way that's not attacking, but a way that's just an open conversation.
0: Right. And and that'll go for how many weeks? On
1: it's Tuesday about days? 11 weeks. 11 when weeks. We start.
0: And and you know, it's not about us trying to strong them or talk to people what they need to do, but it, each week it will build, 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 build. And for those of you that say, I want to check it out first before I would invite friends or co workers, whatever, you can do that for sure. Please. But we're excited about that. And uh, it's, it's a different, I have pastors that have hosted groups that say, you know, we're not there to just pound something down their throat, but the, the truth is presented and presented and presented and presented. And, and it's unbelievable how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ. Atheists agnostics people that are just up and down and all around so we're excited about that
1: and i would encourage you i know 11 a week sounds like a lot
0: just come once bring somebody with you once just come one time and we would love that right you know the truth of it is everybody thinks about faith no matter how they may think about it. they may be hostile but that's the environment and you may be put off by some of the off the wall things people say but i i promise you it won't end up there where they started so it's a process so thank you for that okay thanks andrew for letting me put you on the spot all right Hey, we're doing good for time. I think our team's about ready to come out, and we're going to end with a wonderful song. Um, but I want to I summarize that again. Always be ready to give a hope for the reason, uh, g- give a reason for the hope that is within you. That's my paraphrase of it. When you're a child of God, you grow stronger by sharing your faith. It deepens your conviction. So when you confess, when you profess, I am a child of God, when you possess this truth, I am a child of God, I'm following Jesus, you're adopted into God's family, no question, no matter what your past is. He is your Father, not only do you profess it, you possess it, this becomes a way of life as you belong, believe, and become. And how do you know, and I, I think Alpha is a good experience uh, example of this, we sometimes get things mixed up, the bees. we believe that belief is first, but it's not. Everybody's one friend away from Jesus, that's relational. Be- most believing comes out of belonging. Did you know that? It's belonging, believing, and then as you get that going, then it's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Agreed? So all of our vision frame, loving God, loving people, living transformed, that's not an endless circle of perpetual motion, but it, there's a tipping point and we, we design the logo so that it's gonna, it's gonna spill out and then you're gonna say, my desire is not only follow Jesus, but I wanna take as many people with me as possible. And I just want to tell you that Alpha is a tool that you can use, you can use to reach those people that you love and care about so much. All right, well, we believe. I, I looked up the, uh, Joel's my phone right there. We haven't sung for a while, we need to bring it out, thank you. We need to bring up again, uh, A Mighty Fortress of, is Our God. Have you ever sung that song? Wow. I'm just gonna read some of the verses here if my phone works right. How many of you know it's not the phone, it's the operator? Let me just read some words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth, work to, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. He's not saying at all that he's God's equal. That's not the point. Let's read on. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing, the man that's to ask who that may be, Christ Jesus. It is he, Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Oh, here's a good one, verse 3. When you get discouraged in our culture, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above, I'm getting goosebumps on this one. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is what? Forever. Is anybody encouraged with those words? Let's stand. I would invite you to stand right now. Come on team. Let's sing something as we get ready to wrap it, wrap it up here, all right? Be encouraged with the truth of God's Word. Not just believers, but followers of Him. We will not, we will not wander from the truth. We won't get into the big drift of our culture. We're going to stand firm on the unshakable, inerrant Word of God. Amen? Amen. Here we go.